Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly and join with me today is my co-host, Serge. Serge, tell me, are you loving this summer weather? Hi, yes, I'm loving the summer. I am depressed though, because our last episode, oh. I was just going on how Montreal Canadians were going to come back in the Stanley Cup finals and win, and that didn't work out. It's been a tough week, Shelly. It's, it's been, been an emotional week. roller coaster. I know there was such hope and such inspiration. Like any sports enthusiast, there's always next season. Exactly. There's always <laughs> next season. Now I can get back into watching my favorite netflix show which is peaky blinders it's my favorite show since probably the wire or the sopranos it's a story based in england in the 1920s or actually a little bit before about a gang in a city called birmingham so if you like gangs mafia type of movies you're gonna love this but what are you up to what's new oh, in your world man. do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna blame this on you jesus christ serge I started watching TikTok and either it learns really quickly what you want to see because I can kick the shit out of a whole hour watching TikTok videos and it keeps feeding me stuff that is just honestly, it's like an addiction, like watching somebody in 60 seconds renovate their, the tops of their kitchen cap. And I'm just like, what a great idea. In fact, I even went so far as I've now gone on Amazon and started ordering shit from ideas and shit that I'm watching on TikTok. The Fabuloso, it's a cleaning product. That it, I've never seen it in stores here in Canada. I ordered some on Amazon. It should arrive today and I can't wait. The algorithm oh God. Is, is, is very impressive. It's addictive, way too addictive. I'm going to go through the phase where I'm going to delete it again because the amount of hours I've wasted on that app. But I've looked at it as research recently with TikTok launching resumes. But also, I'm really curious because there's a lot of people talking about the great resonation and a lot of different stories. All I'm getting is exactly those people that have quit their jobs or right. are being abused at work and they're sharing their stories or recruiters sharing their stories of how hard it is to recruit to HR people talking about people coming back in the office. It's giving us a backstory to what we see in the news in, in real. Like one of the stories that I think I sent to you was everyone at a particular Burger King quitting on one day. They yeah. were just tired of getting paid like shit, but also no safety concerns, no cleaning, right. all these aspects that the employers were not taking care of. And they basically quit, put on the sign saying, we all quit, come back another day. Um, so that's where I'm looking at TikTok is seeing what's the underbelly of what's going on in the job world and seeing all these people quit is really fascinating. We'll talk a lot more about that in the future, but let me introduce the topics this week. Um, uh, We've talked about this, Shelly, so many times, and I think it came from having James Ellis and Elena Valentine a while back talking about was, basically yeah. the creator economy and how being an artist is going to be extremely advantageous in the near future. We're going to talk about an article that I read that says that job listing for creator roles has increased 489,000% since 2016. 
interesting to hear your viewpoint, especially mm -hmm. that you have kids that are, are very artistic and creative. Yeah. Then in this world of the great resonation and where companies are having dramatic challenges in finding people, I think it's time to look at your culture. We're going to talk about some key points of how you should audit your culture. Mm -hmm. Then I think you're very excited about this because we've talked about this many times is Google for Jobs. Google for Job is finally cleaning up their act and trying to give the candy the really good experience. So or we'll talk about they? that's what we'll talk about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So think this is going to be fun. That'll be a fun topic yeah, for sure. I think it will. Yeah. How about we jump in? So you read the article, job listing for creators have increased 489,000% since 2016. Yes. First of all, give me your impression. What are you seeing? Why do you think that is the case? So you're right. Because we talked about this a year ago. Elena Valentine put it really well that we know the creator economy is coming. I, of course, ran out, got the book, read the book. And this is not new. But what is new is that we now have clear evidence of what was predicted probably about 10 years ago. The individuals who have the ability to apply imagination to their work, which I don't think surprises too many of us. What's interesting though, Serge, is I remember say even seven or eight years ago, the whole idea of having somebody like an actual job where you were creating social media content seemed, oh my God, like that's such a bullshit made up job. Now, what percentage of jobs at Amazon have to do with creativity and creativity skills? It's interesting because when I read this article, that was the first thing that came to me was that. We talk about the, the types of the jobs that can be automated and not automated. And a lot of it when mm -hmm. The whole market dynamic has shifted. And if we look at the service industry and generally the people that work in the service industry, they now have alternatives because they have a secret tool that we didn't have as kids. Our parents didn't have. It's the smartphone. Yeah. The amount of content and things that you can put out, the amount of a lot of these people that fit that mold are the folks that have worked in service, which I think is driving some of the challenge that the service industry is feeling. If mm. you can create content for either a company or yourself on your own business, make good money. Who wants to work for $7 an hour doing shitty work? You can go work for a major corporation that needs content creators for their social media and marketing efforts. I was just having this conversation with another group where interestingly enough, the immediate go-to was, that's the work you give to an intern. That is so three years ago thinking. <laughs> because this should be part of a, a company's marketing strategy. So whether it is video editing or photographers or musicians or artists. And what's interesting is people in the service industry, it's usually people that had, sorry, I'm stereotyping here. But it, say you've got a Bachelor of Arts degree. The running joke was, what are you going to do with that? Say you've got a bachelor of fine arts degree <clears throat> because you're an artist, like a, a painter or someone that basically has an artistic side to them. In order to supplement your passion, you got a service job. Now you don't need to. You can take your bachelor of arts degree or fine arts degree in art history. And suddenly your eye for great visual content is super valuable. So the lines are just like meeting, they're coming together. 
I think it's now evidenced in this 480, did you say 489,000 percent? percent since 2016. Some cases, it might be that intern that is coming in. They just have that knowledge. Because So you look at the skills that are needed, video editing, audio editing, copywriting. These are all in the realm of those people that took their arts degree. So I, I think we are shifting. I think the next 10 years are really going to be the creator and artist economy, which mm -hmm. I think is fantastic, actually. Because the other jobs, if you can't be an artist, a lot of it can be automated. I don't think our artificial intelligence is good for repetitive tasks. But yeah. when it comes to the human mind, creativity, imagination, curiosity, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll see it in our lifetime. Who knows? But certainly you're right. What better person to do your sound editing than a musician, <laughs> right? Uh, totally. Yeah. There's so many content that is need to create. That's how we're marketing right now, but yeah, it will so be interested. I bet you we'll talk about it in a year from now and we'll be able to correlate exactly what's going in the service industry and the rest of the job market to this new creator economy. For sure. For all those times that we laughed at the kids in drama, and, and those kids in, in high school that took drama class, yeah, they're going to be the ones having the last laugh. Because guess who's really comfortable in front of a camera? So this is going to be fascinating. Let's bookmark to do a retrospect look back one year from now on what's happened in, in the economy there. So check it's a mark. Deal. It's, a it's, deal. A, it's a date. It's a date. All right. Let's talk about this article that has 21 points on what you should do for a culture audit. Uh -huh. First of all, give me your thoughts as far as how you audit your culture. Do you think this is something that's valuable? Is it something that actually can be done? Can you, you audit what? your culture? When I read this, honestly, this was like chocolate. It was melting in my hands because okay. this is probably one of the best articles I've read that helps people think in terms of what are the underpinnings of your employer brand, not your employee value proposition, because this article was asking things like something so simple as how freely is money. That's not part of an employment value proposition, but it's really important to understand because if you've ever worked in a company where honestly, every single day, it's like, we're going broke right? Like we got to rub two nickels together. That is very different than a culture that gave away iPods and $600 pieces of luggage because we hit our safety goal for the quarter. Do you know what I mean? Like the money, it was raining money, Like the parties were just like all over the top versus it's potluck Christmas parties. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like how much do you think that's going to impact what your employer brand message, right? Yeah, it was interesting. Some of the key questions that I took out of it mm -hmm. uh, was, so what's the communication style of this company? Because every organization has different communication style and some are very open and transparent, have a two-way dialogue. Some companies, the CEO says it, it's the truth. This is what we need to do. I'm not saying one is right or wrong. You can probably make that assessment on your own. But for you as an employee coming in, it's good to understand where that's coming from. The other element was how are decisions made? Is it a top-down approach? Is it a bottom-up approach? What's the tolerance for risk? And I think that oh, goes I love into, that question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it would yeah what's your thoughts on that one? 
and that's why I say this culture audit is absolutely anybody out there who has been tasked with or is asked to help out with building your employer brand. These are the critical questions to answer. The tolerance for risk is directly connected to what sort of candidates you're going to attract. Because if you want predictability, and honestly, it's the old analogy of, are you going to work for the post office or are you going to work for a tech startup? Both of those companies may employ somebody in HR, but it's very different. Like working in HR for the government or the uh, post office, that's a very predictable culture. And the risk tolerance is nil. It's zero. It's zilch. We've got the collective agreement. We follow it to the letter and don't anybody step outside these lines versus an employer brand that is all about taking risk and making mistakes and fixing it quickly and, and learning from it moving forward. So this is just honestly, this is the greatest list ever put together. I think everybody should have this as a poster on their wall if employer brand is anything that matters to you. What do you think? Well, I Serge? think it gives you a real understanding of what your culture is. One of the things that we talk a lot is being transparent. That's what the job seekers are looking for right now. But you can't really be transparent if you don't know what your internal culture is. Because a lot of people will say their culture is basically, they'll point at their mission and vision or what the CEO says. But what the CEO says doesn't mean that that is the culture there. I think this gives you an opportunity to really do a deep dive and figure out what your culture is so you can be transparent. And what that is going to do is when you're actually bringing in people, you're being realistic. They're not coming in expecting something in two months after they're like, you were full of shit. This is not your culture. And I think that is happening like you wouldn't believe across all industries, people are coming right. into a job yep. and are like, this is not what you told me. And what I'm nervous about in this very competitive job market where companies are competing for talent, I think they're upping the bullshit meter way <laughs> higher to sell something that doesn't exist. And that's going to backfire mm -hmm. on you. Do you know what I think the number one thing is on the bullshit meter? is just how diverse and inclusive is your culture. Everybody's got something to say about it. Everybody knows like you've got to say something about it, but that's probably the biggest load of crap about diversity and inclusion. They haven't done a goddamn thing. All they did was slap it up on their website. First day on your new job, you look around and you're the only woman in an all male company. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And and also the other aspect of doing a culture audit too is looking at your resistance stuff and seeing how you're rewarding the right behaviors because is your compensation mm. aligned with what you're trying to achieve? And a lot of times this has been our bonus structure for decades. We always seem to think that culture is owned by HR. If you think that culture is owned by HR, you're probably in trouble. Your culture is probably shit. Yeah, exactly. Who else are you going to blame it on? <laughs> Who's, who is the most likely scapegoat? Let's just blame HR. The last thing I would say on a super valuable question to really ask is, how does the organization communicate change? So if we saw nothing else, how were people treated during the pandemic? 
Some companies, it was every man for himself. And if there happened to be a life preserver left over, the CEO had it versus companies that did the opposite and they um, embraced their people and they kept that communication up and they, they honestly said, we don't have it figured out. We don't know. We will give you an update every week. Even if that update is, we got nothing to update you on. The organizations are starting to see the after effects. I, I don't know a single person who would say that knowing what's going on within the company doesn't matter to them. I think all employees want to know. I think they do. All right, let's move on to the next topic. So this is one that we've disagreed throughout the years. I, I do think Google for job is the biggest threat to all the job boards. Google had a massive opportunity to really take a, a huge leap in that market and really dominated. And where they failed is a horrible candidate experience. We've all seen it. The same job, jobs expired, you click through, you need to go through five different pages to apply. The wrong jobs are being scraped. Or so it's been a shitty experience, which I think is the reason that Google for jobs never got monetized. I think they are now setting it up to eventually monetize. Just to recap, October 1st, Google will launch new guidelines for job posting. So they're giving everyone a heads up, which is Actually, really quite nice because the competitor down the street that indeed <laughs> gives you usually like a day notice. So you're on your own type of thing. So I'm glad they're actually giving a heads up. So what they're trying to do is improve the quality of the results and develop new functionality within what they have. couple of things that I thought was, was really interesting is... A direct apply in their sense means is there's not an unnecessary steps for a candidate to apply. So registering before you apply is is a big no-no, which actually before I go into the rest, I want to talk about that one because Shelly, in my yes. experience, and we both do this, we both do audits mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. different recruiting process. Mm -hmm. 90% of the ones that I see, you need to register and go through all these hoops before you can even apply, which I've been saying is bullshit for a long time. So what's your thoughts around that one? Okay. First of all, Serge, there's a couple of points here that I think already I am, like my hair's on fire. Okay. I don't agree with your take on this. I don't. I think Google is putting carrots in the jello. That's all they're doing. Honest to God. What does that mean? They're trying to put some bones into this body of jello. And they don't have a strategy because when I read the guidelines, it was like point number one clean up our mess. So they're saying, as the employer, you need to make sure that the jobs that say they're from, say, company XYZ are truly from you. When in fact, that's their fault in that they let these crawlers, that is Google allowed these crawlers to go in and basically mimic you as an organization where you're not actually even clicking on that job. Oh, and by the way, that job has been down and off the boards for over two months. That's Google's problem. So Google's first step is first of all, listen, everybody, we're gonna be really nice and give you to October 1st to clean up our fucking mess. Point two, the complex application process. They're giving us until October to clean up our fucking mess. Okay, thank you. We know what a struggle it's been to get companies to stop doing this whole registration process. Now, it's a nightmare. 
because that means they have to stop using whatever applicant tracking system or turn those features off of their applicant tracking system. The complex application process, I know you and I both agree we need to fix it. The problem is any major corporation that has a government contract or they do business with the federal government, they by law are required in order to stay compliant with the requirements of being a supplier to the federal government is they must be able to demonstrate and collect data on people at the application stage, not at the interview stage. This is as they apply. So to remain compliant, those organizations are at a huge disadvantage because they have to ask you all of this demographic information. So unless Google plans to basically go toe-to-toe with the federal government to say, you can't be asking people that before they apply for the job, this problem will not get fixed. This is not a company problem, and it's not a Google problem. It's the problem that is dictated by the federal government on the complex application process. That's where the problem begins. So Google ain't going to fix that. And so telling employers that you have until October 1st to simplify your application process, it's not going to happen. I'll take a breath there. First of all, I agree. So Google is fucked up. Their whole user experience, and to your point, the crawlers that are picking up the jobs, they can fix that. Fix the other equation as far as how much shit is being put out there by employers. Indeed, ZipRecruiter, they're all dealing with the same issue when it comes to having really bad shit out there. And indeed, as has tried to fix the candidate experience by creating the two-pane experience. So instead of redirecting to your career pages, it just opens up a second pane, which is in now Indeed format, so everyone gets the same experience. I can see Google doing something similar to that. Can you On really? On the flip side. Like, you really think Google's going to go that far? I think they will have to control the candidate experience because what we've learned is we can't trust the companies to handle the candidate experience. Mm. What you believe is that Google is going to copy everything that Indeed does. Maybe not exactly in the same way. If the market is not going to shift the candidate experience, they're not going to want to redirect their job seekers that are clicking on jobs to a horrible candidate experience mm. on the customer site. Cause See, the great I, I, major- I don't know, Serge. I don't know. I don't what think, do you mean? I don't think Google has any intention or any interest in this and they will lose interest in this once they begin to realize that they can't fix this because this is not their core business. They do not I don't believe that they even begin to comprehend and never mind monetize. Like, I really don't. I, I don't think that this is all very nice, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to completely fizzle out. Well, there's no one that competes with them on search. What is job searching search? So mm-hmm. I disagree with you that this is not their core business. This is absolutely their core business as the ATS product they ran across antitrust issues and there's probably going to be antitrust issues Mm -hmm. for Google for Jobs especially in Europe but I 
disagree completely is anyone can figure it out and do a really good job with the actual search for jobs. There's no one better suited than Google. No one understands search better than Google. They can start forcing customers. If you're not removing your old job postings, you're not going to get any traffic. If you're not posting your salary, traffic is going to be reduced. If it's mm -hmm. a bad candidate experience, your traffic is going to reduce. They can actually try to <laughs> fix what is ailing the industry and they actually have the power to be able to do it by either giving traffic or not traffic based on the candidate experience. Interesting. So if, if you think antitrust, even saying that, to think that one company such as Google is going to control the entire labor market, I think is absurd. Because that's what never you're said saying. that they. That I never is said exactly what you're saying is that they will shut you off if you don't adhere to their standards. If the job posting is expired or isn't, your is not a real job posting. How the hell are they going to police that? You mean to um, tell me that Google is going to figure out that the job posting that I've had up for six months isn't a real job posting, and I'm not really constantly hiring for telephone sales support. You don't think Google, let's take a look at how- I don't think so. No, I don't. Well, okay, you well. mean to tell me you think they're going to police whether or not your job ad is a real one or an expired one. And then they're going to shut off the tap and say, we're not sending you any traffic until you fix it. That's become a complete, then what you're saying is they are going to police the entire labor market. That is the employer side. You mean no, to tell me that's is, what they're going to do? No, they're not. This is a, this is no. advertising. There is no way that they have any plans of policing this. Shelly, Facebook, LinkedIn. Have you ever done a Facebook ad? If your Facebook ad sucks, you don't get any traffic. If your LinkedIn ad sucks, you don't get any traffic. This is exactly the same technology. Of course. They can decide who gets the traffic based on quality of the content. Very similar to Indeed. Don't you think Indeed throttles traffic on bad postings? Absolutely. They have a whole squall team that they call it, that they're mm -hmm. looking at all the content that is not good and pulling it out. You don't think Google can do that with technology? You reward the ones that have the best content. So what's the biggest difference here, Search? Indeed is its own ecosystem. LinkedIn is its own ecosystem. Facebook is its own ecosystem. Google, on the other hand, is almost agnostic. It is on its own and accessible to everybody on the planet. We were talking about antitrust. I'm not talking about whoever's got the biggest pockets is going to spend the much money, the most money and will get the most traffic. That's simple 101 economics. What I'm saying is that antitrust is never going to allow this because of who it is, because it's Google. And it's very different. You have to opt so, in. So what is antitrust not going to allow? The fact that they're now going to police whether or not your job postings um, are real or have expired or that you've got a complex application process or that the fact that your job was scraped by a third party and is not in fact you. That's I, what I'm talking about. Because So how is listen, that different from how is that it's, different it's from It's completely Indeed? opposite. Google and, for jobs is its own product. Oh, you mean to tell me there that when you go to Google, it's not going to put Google for jobs at the top? Why would you be against them 
creating a better candidate experience. That's what you're saying. You're just saying, no, no, no let's no, no, make no. sure no, no, that no, no, Google doesn't no. have the power of you're giving confusing. a better candidate experience. No, you're confusing people. You, you are throwing smoke bombs here, Serge, because you can't tell if you're in LinkedIn, you have opt into being in LinkedIn. You have no different than Indeed and no different than Facebook. Those are platforms that you voluntarily opted into. Google is like utilities. It's it is like owning the train tracks or owning the electrical power grid or the power lines that distribute energy to every household in the neighborhood. That's what Google is. Do you really, as a consumer, have a choice? No. There's one provider of electrical power lines that come into your house. They are essentially a monopoly. And that's what I mean by antitrust. Google is a monopoly. So what you're saying, because they've done a better job than their competitors and they want to grow a product, there's a huge issue in the industry and really no one else has that power to fix it at the same scope. Maybe indeed. You right? actually trust a for-profit entity is going to fix this? Are you kidding me? What? Well, it sounds else, like communism. Who else is going to fix it? Uh, no, no. It sounds like capitalism. Actually, <laughs> no, it sounds exactly the opposite. When you've got one ultra powerful body that is going to dictate how things are that is not capitalism so you want the government to no, regulate no, 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 it no, what no, are you no, saying no, no the market will decide so well exactly so, and that's exactly what is happening right now i think we'll relook at this argument again we'll bookmark this one for three to six months okay. so Anyway, Shelly, what else is going on in your world? Let me think. Do you know I'm slowly contemplating going out in public? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I've actually, I went to one place and there wasn't a single person there wearing a mask. And it was spooky. Yeah, I'm still wearing my mask. I don't think we're over the hump yet. I don't mind wearing a mask. It's not a big deal. Come on. Our grandparents went to war. We can't wear a mask. I guess that's it. We will follow up on this one because, yes. again, Shelly, you're wrong. On every argument we've had <laughs> since day one, you've been wrong. Do you know what? I I think you're keeping score. I don't know who you're keeping score for, but other than yourself. but oh, I keep score with everything. Right? I know every, yeah, you sure do. But you've <laughs> not won every argument. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Sad. So should I start listing them? How about can, next episode. How about <laughs> next episode? How about next episode? Okay, next episode. Okay. I'll oh, you're going to bring up the zip that, uh, yes, yes. But I was wrong <laughs> on that one, but I'm playing the long game because that's Are still going to happen. Oh, All right. Okay. Cool. Listen. Have a good one, Shelly. Thank soon. you. Thanks for joining okay. us. Bye. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.